Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. all the time but I've still got more stuff and you get out of it which is awesome and uh, I just want you to give you a, give Pastor Ross a huge welcome as he comes tonight and shares again thank you thank you thank you wow God is so good let's just stay standing for a moment Marissa if you'd like to come Marissa God gave her a word for our worship team so thanks thanks Marissa the last two days, last night especially, and then again tonight, through the second song as well, God just wants to say thank you. And as a pastor, we want to say thank you. But God especially wants to say thank you for drawing near, for laying down your lives, for giving up your time to worship him. And he sees that and he'll reward you for that. But we want to say thank you. And God wants to say especially thank you. Thank you. Let's give thank you, guys. And as you were ministering tonight, I just saw this river of life flowing. Because something happens in the spirit when we and a high praise. Psalm 149 says, the praise of God will be in a mouth. It's like a two-edged sword that destroys the schemes of the enemy. Now, I only saw it here, but I, I was seeing it in some of your churches. The high praise of God. Whether you've got one singer and one musician, whether you've got a whole team like God's blessed us with, whether you're singing to a DVD of Jesus Culture or Planet Shakers, your voice is the instrument that God works through. And I actually saw in the Spirit some of you finding ways to take what happens in your church out into the parks and the streets. I've watched it a few times when you've taken, when you've got a parade in town and you're able to take a Christian band or group on down the street or you've got a, a festival on and you're able to sing, something happens. We have the privilege of doing the carols by candlelight here each year and up to 10,000 people come down on our seafront oval and our team, as they sing and some of those carols, the, the presence of God comes right across the whole crowd and across your city oh Jesus oh we love you Lord just reach up to heaven and I want the Lord to lift your vision of what can happen through the praise and worship and the declaration of high praise and intercessory prayer over your cities and churches I believe the Holy Spirit wants to lift your vision of what happens in the spirit realm. What happens in the spirit realm as you worship and as you lift up the name of Jesus. As you sing and release that power, the prophetic authority. As you release it through your voice and through your instrument and through your hearts. There's a clearing of the heavens. There's a 
a pathway for people to encounter Christ. Oh, oh, there's a new wave of the Spirit coming. And every wave of the Spirit has new songs and a powerful prophetic element in the worship and praise. Many of our churches and worship teams are going to move from singing songs to drawing the presence of heaven to our lives. We're endeavoring to do that with our team, and I know that many here are doing that. Because something happens in the Spirit. Oh. Lloyd Dales, could you come for a minute? When we were singing, I think it was that second song about Alive in the River, I saw you leaping over there. I saw you leaping for joy. Something's happening in your soul, Lloyd. The Lord said, call him out and tell him you're going to leap for joy more and more, physically and in your spirit. You've had some loss, some disappointment and pain in your life. But somehow you've come through and said, God, I'm still going to praise you with all my heart. And the Spirit of God's going to come within and you're going to be leaping on the inside and you're going to be jumping on the outside because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I believe as you continue to praise and let that flow, there's a freedom coming. And I see you teaching the Word of God and sharing the truth of Christ and it's going to Shake people free. There's a new confidence coming over your life. And I actually saw when you were a young man, you were in meetings and saw revival power flow. You saw the supernatural at time come. And you've cried out for it and said, God, could it ever happen again? Could it ever happen again like that? God would say, you will see it again. And you, it'll, someone will come through your hands and heart. And you will see more than what you've seen because the fire of God, the fire of God is within you. And you'll become a voice to others of your generation who have wondered whether it could come again. And God says yes and yes and yes. And you'll be one that will speak because you've seen it. And you'll see it again. And greater things. Just stay there for a moment. The Holy Ghost is releasing stuff of your spirit. Ho, ho. Oh, God. God's in the house tonight. God's in the house tonight. Oh, Jesus. Tony and Joe from King Arroy. Joe's just arrived from the chaplain's conference. I was out there a few months ago. I did the induction for him. God stirred my heart again tonight. His hands on your lives and your church and that city. Because it's time. It's time for the, the name of Jesus to echo out of your church and across that city. It's time. I see you in prophetic times of praise and worship and intercession and high praise that is breaking loose some of the strongholds that have held that city and its people. I see religion having to lose its power. 
a form of religion that has locked people up in that city. I see it losing its power as you let freedom flow in the name of Jesus. I see that flow. I see people of all ages and backgrounds following you guys. I see them gathering young children, children, young people, young adults, young families, middle-aged, older people. I see them gathering and following you. And the grace of God will overflow your lives. There'll be divine encounters. And I see offences and unforgiveness will lose their power over the people of your church and over the people of that city. Many have been held in, controlled by the lies and traps of the enemy through offences and religion. Reach your hand out towards the right now. We're going to believe, Father, Jesus, let Tony and Joe know by the power of the Spirit to bring freedom and release. Sometimes it will happen and they're not even aware it's happening because they're just lifting up the name of Jesus and you do the work. Other times it will be clear prophetic words and visions that will flow, that will overflow. Let it flow with all of your heart, all of your soul. And I'll add the musicians and singers. I'll add the team of intercessors. I'll add the team of warriors, the evangelists that will reap the harvest across your region and your city. In Jesus' name. Oh God. Oh Lord. Jonathan Job. Come on down, mate. God loves you, mate. You've walked a journey. And the Lord would say, you're not disqualified. And you haven't failed. He'd say, my son, my son, I will lead you and teach you. I will strengthen and restore. I'll embrace and overflow your heart. God, 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 God. Life-giving water, presence overflow. Jesus' name, Jesus' name. God, lift that weight off his shoulders. Freedom in his spirit, wisdom in his soul. Take that which is marred and turn it into something beautiful for your kingdom. Jesus, Jesus. Oh God, continue to touch Lloyd. Let your fire, your fire be in his bones. Oh. Oh. God, let the signs and wonders flow through this man. God, let signs and wonders flow through his life. He's just crazy enough to believe it and obey it, Father. Oh, God. God, God, God. Oh. God's good.
One more. I just want to pray for the Tenham Sands team that are here. Just come on down. Seven of them have come from Tenham Sands. This all of them? Where's the rest? This is them? In the parents' room. Come on down, guys. Don't miss out on this. Come on forward. I want a few of the pastors to stand around this. These are guys who have traveled from Tenham Sands. I was up there a couple of years ago and we had a great weekend. But I really believe there's an excel. I, I just see, I see, I see a car and I see God putting his foot on the accelerator. I just see him putting his foot on the accelerator. I say, it's time to speed up. It's time to speed up in the life, in the realm of the spirit. It's time to step up and lift your expectations even more. I see the generations here and God will say, I'm going to bring in generations into your church. Whole households and families. He's going to make ways. The supernatural will be released. The, the gospel will come with such power and authority. You'll have increasing numbers of people arriving through your outreaches in the schools and the youth and the families and the single mums. The mining industry might be downturning and the construction industry slowing down, but God said it's time for my church to speed up. Don't look at what might be decreasing in the natural. Look at in the spirit because God said it's time to speed up. Speed up in the Holy Ghost. Reach out your hand to them right now, Father. Let your, oh, let your presence just touch their lives, oh God. Encourage them in the Spirit, Father. Let the fire of God, oh God, such a freedom in the Holy Ghost. Lord, their church will be so filled with your presence, your power, your grace, your glory. Jesus, your anointing will just, Lord, this young man will walk in the life of your spirit more and more. He will have an audacious faith that will just say, Lord, you said it, I believe it, that settles it. Lord, give him an audacious faith in the Holy Ghost. And this precious lady will carry a spirit of grace and favor that people will not be able to ignore and before they know it they'll be opening their hearts to you and your presence father she'll walk in the room she'll say a word or smile and people will melt in your presence father oh oh lord some of us have to do more but it's just going to flow through her so powerfully she'll just walk in the room and carry your presence that's a good word. Bless this mum and dad. Lord, bless them. Oh, with your refreshing father. Oh, God. Many more spiritual children. Many more spiritual children. Many more spiritual children for this, for this couple, Father. Many more, Lord. Oh, many more. God, many, many, many more. Oh, God not only adds, he multiplies. He multiplies. Oh, thank you for it, Father. Oh. <laughs> oh. Now, let me tell you, there's incredible power and unity as a team. 
Don't let anything hinder that unity. Just work really hard. The Bible says, do the hard work and make every effort to get on with one another in peace and unity because that's where he commands the blessing. Just let it build. Let it build. Oh, Jesus. Let's give him a hand from Tenement. Let's take our seats. I just want to share one story and then I'm going to ask Alan to come and share what the amazing thing that's happening at Mundubra Church. I just want to share the power, the power of unity in the spirit. About six months ago, we were worshipping in church here one day. And we're singing, I can't remember the song, doesn't really matter the song. But all of a sudden, I felt something sweep into the place. I was standing in the front, and I just started to weep in his presence. I looked over, and Mary Lynn, and we both started crying, not because we looked ugly, but because the presence of God just grabbed us both at the same time. And then I looked around, and within seconds, there were people on their knees, on their faces, hands up, weeping all over the church within seconds. And I thought, Lord, for about half an hour... We had a guest speaker. It was really, really hard to move on or do anything. I came up to MC. I'm holding on to the pulpit so I didn't fall over. And it was just wave upon wave. The singers started to do prophetic songs and it just flowed and wrote and fell. And we spoke a few words and I thought, wow. And I remember I said, today, something shifted in the heavens over our church. And we went home afterwards and we were chatting with our guests and we said, what happened today? And the Holy Spirit spoke as clear as a bell. Why was today different than last Sunday or the Sunday before or the nice service we had, the first service, the second service on the Sunday morning? And the Holy Spirit said, enough people got in unity and I couldn't resist but show up. That was as simple as he said. In other words, enough people in the church got in heart unity with truly worshipping Jesus and then his presence just swept in. And I got a fresh understanding that where there is unity, God commands the blessing. I heard someone say to me the other day, and it's rung in my heart ever since, we pray for God to move and pour out his spirit. Jesus prayed for unity in his church. If we answered Jesus' prayer, he will answer our prayer. I thought, wow, that is powerful. Wow. And about two months later, we worship again in a 10.30 service. And the Spirit of God came to me. I don't know if it got everyone that day, but came to me. And I'm just there, overcome. Overcome with the presence of God. And next minute I'm looking and I'm seeing a statue of Jesus over Rio de Janeiro. 
I saw it in the news the other night. All the Aussie athletes are up there taking photos of the statue of Jesus. I thought, what an awesome statue. I don't know who built that, but what an amazing. 30 meters tall, looking out over the Olympic city. And I'm seeing this statue. I thought, Lord, that's a nice picture. What's that about? And next minute, as we kept worshipping, the statue over Rio de Janeiro moved and it became a living picture of Christ standing over our church. And the more we worshipped, the larger he became. So by now, I am really overcome. And then I look, in his right hand is this huge, big, glowing sword. And I said, Lord, what's that? And he said, that's the sword of the Spirit to destroy the works of the evil one over our city and our people and our community. And then I looked and saw this amazing, huge, big container or bucket full of clear liquid spilling over. And I said, Lord, what's that? And these are the exact words he said. He said, it's living water and liquid love that I'm going to pour over your city. And then I watched and I saw this bucket and hand moving up and down the streets and beaches and houses of our city. And wherever it spilled over and touched, transformation happened immediately. I thought, Lord, that is awesome. So I was, by then, I'm on my face in the presence of God. So every time I, we start worshipping now, I see that image of Jesus standing over our church in our city. It changes the way you worship. When you get a revelation, it changes the way you do everything. If you're a prayer and you have an encounter with the power of Jesus when you're praying, you can never forget that every time you pray. I want to encourage you. This is for, not just for me. God just gives me glimpses every now and You need to take a hold of what God's saying for your city and your community and your church because God's up to some powerful, powerful things. Alan, come and share a bit what's been happening out at Mundubra. Bless you, mate. Thank you, sir. First of all, I'd like to say thank you for putting this awesome event on. Uh, it's been a blessing to us, our team, myself, David, Michael, Lloyd, Pastor Malcolm, and my awesome wife. Thank you. And I'm sure you guys have been blessed too, and ladies. But uh, to share this little bit of a testimony, there's so much to actually speak about in this testimony, so I'll try and bring it down to about 30 minutes. <laughs> but there is quite a lot to it. But uh, basically, uh, as many of you as pastors and, and leaders of church wherever you are, you would probably have an expansion offering once a year or a couple of times a year or for a specific purpose, whatever it may be. So we have ours at the end of June each financial year, obviously. So the week before we're having this expansion offering, we're having a board meeting. And uh, so picture this, I'm in the kitchen of our house making coffee. Um, My wife's over at the computer David's looking at the accounts as he's our treasurer. Michael's a board member, so he's there. And another lady, Pauline's there. And, and I'm in the kitchen, and I heard David say he's checking the accounts, and he said, this is the words that I heard. Someone put $150 in the building fund. I thought, that's great. That is awesome, you know. Anything is great. And he, he said, no, 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 $150,000. And Pauline's gone, what? Marissa's gone, what? Michael's gone, what? And I've gone, what? And by the time I said that, I'm standing there looking at the tablet at the account 
It's 150 grand in the building fund. I want to encourage you that God protects and provides. We've had you know, drama as churches have drama. But uh, in spite of that, if you're doing the will of God, he protects and provides. Yes, that's it. And that's the revelation that I've got. And we've seen that protection and provision so many times throughout you know, Marissa and I being there. This is our fourth year. But see, that's only half the story. You've got to understand this. When Marissa and I went to Mandubra for our interview with the amazing Pastor Dawn and Pastor Les... Um, and we thank you for employing us because they were caretaking Mandabra and Gainder at the time. And uh, so we've gone there for an interview. This is before the preach and meet. And uh, Les is, you know, you, most of you would know Les. He's great. So uh, he uh, showing me around the property and spare block on the side of the, the church. And I said, wow, that'd be a great place for a new building. And he goes, that's a box ticked. Because that's the, the plan and the vision of the church, to build a new building on the spare block. And I thought, cool, I'm getting boxes ticked here. I'm probably going to get the job. <laughs> so <clears throat> we, we go throughout the interview and he talks about a few different things. But he says, you know, in spite of, you know, the, we've got a building fund and there's about, at that time there was about 20 grand in it thereabouts. And uh, he said, we, lawn, Des and, Des and lawn, we get that mixed up so much. Dawn and Les have made a commitment at that time to, to send $25,000 to a mission uh, in Sri Lanka to build a new church. This pastor over there, Pastor Chan and I, and uh, they'd made that commitment. And I said, well, Marisha and I are happy to keep that commitment if we're the pastors of the church. And he goes, that's another box ticked. <laughs> so eventually, obviously, we got the job. But that, that commitment was fulfilled between Gainda ACC uh, before Pastor Rodden Jan got there, I'm thinking Dawn, <laughs> before they got there, and uh, between our church and ACC gained us. So that commitment was fulfilled. But here's the thing, in, in uh, Sri Lanka, they had lots of problems with land and government and, you know, building churches because it's, it's not a Christian nation. And uh, so Pastor Chan had lots of trouble. So they just, uh, Les and Dawn went over, took a team, Pastor Malcolm and a few others, and uh, just said, look, just put it in a, in a bank account and earn some interest. They earn 15% interest over there. That's crazy. So invest your money in Sri Lanka, maybe. Um, this is not financial advice. It's not even pastoral advice. But uh, so they've, they've got these issues. They can't buy land. They can't build buildings. They've got to meet all these requirements, et cetera, et cetera. So this is our fourth year. When Les told me that, he said, look, if you want to build a new building in regards to this commitment, David slew the lion and he slew the bear, then he slew Goliath. If you want to build a new building, sow into someone else's church building. So that's what we made that commitment. We kept it. And that was fulfilled within the first year that we were there. But he couldn't do anything. That same week we got that 150 grand, he was able to buy land. God's timing is perfect. So I want to encourage you that no matter the situation, no matter the struggles, no matter the, the, oh, how is this going to work? How is this going to work? God can protect and he will provide when you're doing his will. And we want to encourage you that 150 grand, that's not enough to build our building. That's a pretty good start. So when we did our expansion offering, I, I said to everyone, look, you know, I'm believing in man of faith. I'm believing for $225,000, this expansion offering to the 40 people in our congregation. <laughs> you could see the heads go, oh, we're glad you got faith, Pastor. But see, then I handed out all these little envelopes. 
And I said, I want to encourage you that God is already working. He's already doing something. Open your envelope and have a look at the balance for June 2016. And at that time, it was $176,000. And you should have saw the faith rise. <laughs> so it was really good. And, and, and since then, we've had, you know, there was 150000 in the building fund. There was uh, another 1000 in the building fund, another 5000 another, you know, a couple of thousand. And life care, our community care arm, several thousands of dollars. God protects and provides. So I hope that encourages you to stand in faith and take that leap of faith that you were talking about before and uh, be blessed. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Wow. Now, Alan didn't tell you another part of the story. About a year, 18 months or so ago, the guys approached me and said, we want to sow into something else in the district. And, uh, and in my heart, I said, Childers used to have a great church. We've still got land there. And Pastor Errol and the team want to replant a church. So I said to the guys, if you want to sow into something in the district, why don't you sow into that? So about six months ago, they sent us a check for $3,000 to be invested to help plant the church, replant the church at Childers. Yesterday, they told me we've got another 4000 to put in to help plant that church at Childers. And Errol's getting ready by the end of the year, early next year to replant that church there's power in sowing and reaping god bless you for being faithful let's give him a hand hey isn't that awesome <laughs> oh i just love god and his grace hey wow we're having an awesome time i want to share for a few minutes tonight on confidence and courage i have found this is just so so valuable confidence and courage i'll never forget pastor brian Houston said to bobby one day you can do it you can step up and set up the women's color conference and 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 he said there's other women around the world doing not as gifted as you but have been achieving incredible ministries and the only difference is they've got more confidence than you have and bobby got stirred up and that's part of the journey where how color conference started and went around the world and i thought it's like you and i some people are born with a bit of a more natural confidence but the spirit of god can give you confidence and boldness that will take you places you never ever dreamed and tonight i want to talk about confidence to help us grow i love the book of acts we see the amazing it's called the acts of the apostles it was the acts of the holy spirit but he was working through the apostles because they were confident enough and bold enough just to step out and have a go and uh they turned the world upside down It says there was multitudes, there was multiplication, there was increase. Leadership and ministry requires confidence, but also humility. So confidence is not arrogance. It's not, look at me, what I've done. It's, look how awesome God is, and he's working through us. But it takes confidence to believe that. And faith is linked all in there. But confidence, there is no place for arrogance, thinking you are better than others, leaders lead with a servant's heart. And God can't help but follow with that. Let's take a look at some scriptures in Acts chapter um, 4, verse 8, in the message. With that, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, let loose. I love this. It's Peter who denied Jesus only months or 
a while before. He let loose. Rulers and leaders of the people, if we have been brought to trial today for helping a, a sick man put under investigation regarding this healing, I'll be completely frank with you. We have nothing to hide. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one you killed on a cross, the one God raised from the dead, by means of his name, that this man stands before you healthy and whole. Jesus is the stone the masons threw out, which is new, now the cornerstone. Salvation comes no other way. No other name has been and will be given by us by which we can be saved. Only this one. Verse 13, they couldn't take their eyes off them. Peter and John standing there so confident, so sure of themselves. Their fascination deepened when they realized that these two were laymen with no training in scripture or formal education. They recognized them as companions of Jesus with the man, but with the man right there before them, standing, seeing him standing there so upright, so healed, what could they say against that? Wow. What got their attention? Their confidence and boldness. Wow. Faith is often expressed through confidence. There's humility. We stumble along sometimes, but there's a confidence that grows. Verse 13 and 14, the Amplified says, Now when the men of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high priest, saw the confidence and boldness of Peter and John and grasped the fact that they were uneducated and untrained ordinary men, they were astounded and began to recognize that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed stand there with them, they had nothing to say in reply. Wow. The most powerful thing to transform your city is transform lives. The drunk who's now having a meaningful free life. The family that was, the police were visiting every second day for domestic violence and strife. Now all the kids are in school and their marriage is restored. The person who was seriously ill now made whole. They can't, they can't deny the story, the testimony, the power. Keep believing for radical conversions, transformations. Just keep in the trenches and don't give up until you see that happen. Now, just a few verses on in Acts 4. So what happens? They call them in, threaten them, and what do they say? Stop preaching in the name of Jesus. You can talk about God and you can talk about spirit, but as soon as Jesus comes in the conversation, the atmosphere changes. Because the power of the name of Jesus changes everything. That's why the devil gets people blaspheming in the name of Jesus, to discredit the name of Jesus Christ. Don't ever be ashamed of the name of Jesus. It's so powerful. So powerful. So they're threatened. They go out and have a prayer meeting. Verse 29, this is what they pray. And now, Lord, observe their threats, take them into account, and grant that your, hand, your bondservants may declare your message of salvation with great confidence. While you extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders attesting miracles take place through the name and the authority and power of your holy servant and son, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they were meeting together was shaken, a sign of God's presence. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness and courage. <coughs> you see the pattern here? Confidence, boldness, courage. And the Holy Spirit wants to fill us with that. These characteristics are more than a confident personality. 
If we did a survey here and asked you about your spouse or your team members here, some would say, yeah, that person's naturally fairly confident. No, they're a bit more hesitant. They're, they're shy. Yeah, they're willing to get up and have a go and then think later. You, you, we have all different personalities. But this is talking about way more than your personality. This is about a Holy Spirit boldness and faith and confidence, no matter what your personality, what your education level, what your experience. It's something that God gives in your heart. It's faith. It's a trust that what God says will happen. And boy, faith, faith at work. Confidence grows when you are well-trained and mentored and led by the Holy Spirit. It's nothing worse than stepping out to do something. Say Carrie ann and a few of the guys rung in sick tonight and we said, okay, you, you and you, you're worship leaders tonight. And you say, I can't sing in tune. That's okay, just get up there. You would be terrified and not having much confidence behind that microphone. You'd be wanting to make sure the sound guy had accidentally turned your mic off. But when you've got some training and experience and Holy Spirit confirmation, you've got a whole lot more confidence. And that's what God does. He trains, equips us, gives us confidence. They face persecution, opposition and pressure. They were just starting out in their ministry after Jesus had gone back to heaven. Remember, they'd all hidden from the soldiers. They thought they were going to get crude. They're locked in the room and Jesus just walked straight through the locked door and through the wall. Hey, God can walk through the wall of your inferiority or fear. He can walk right through all of your excuses. I got a lovely text last night after our session last night. No, it was after the first session yesterday afternoon. One of the pastors at from Brisbane, has had to go back because uh, his wife had an injury with a leg and uh, he had to go back today. But after the first session, yes, he sent me this text at tea time last night. He says, you have single-handedly dismantled all of my excuses. <laughs> after the first session, I just laughed. I thought, oh, that is so good, Lord. <laughs> wow. God has ways to get through all of our excuses, all of our limitations, our fears. Takes us on a journey to give you confidence to step up and be all that God's called you to be. And that's a journey of faith. Confidence, the word actually means having strong belief or full assurance, sure, bold, full trust and assured expectation so God wants us to know that confidence and boldness in our hearts and lives you've heard of the Romans road to salvation some of us have used it to help train people lead people to Jesus Romans 3:23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God Romans 5 8 for God commends his love to us and while we're yet sinners Christ died for us Romans 6 23 Wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Some of you haven't done this for a while, have you? Romans 10, 9 and 10. You believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Lord, you will be saved. Romans Road for salvation. A little while ago, I was looking at confidence. And I wrote down six scriptures. And then all of a sudden, I realized they were all in Hebrews. And like a light went on, the Holy Spirit said, I've just shown you the Hebrews road to confidence. So here we go. 
Four weeks ago, the Holy Spirit showed me this. I thought, that's cool. Number one, Hebrews 3.6. But Christ is faithful as the, Son of God over God's, as the Son over God's house, and we are His house if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Wow. That brings something when you realize that you host the presence of God. He lives within our spirit. We are carriers of his presence. Our body is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Wow, if that doesn't put some confidence in your soul, when you realize you're not facing this life and all the faith challenges of ministry and and the opposition and the limitations and inadequacies and, and all the excuses and not to mention all the lies and schemes of the devil against you. I think, wow, the Spirit of God dwells within me. I'm a son or a daughter of the King. I'm his dwelling place. I belong to the church of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And I read the end of the book and we win. Hallelujah. Wow, that doesn't give you confidence. As Cole Stringer would say, your wood's wet. <laughs> Every time I speak in other tongues, it reminds me that the Holy Spirit of God lives within me. Because it's a supernatural work. Every time he flows through me with the gifts of the Spirit. Every time I have the joy of leading someone to Jesus. Or ministering love and care in the name of Christ. It reminds me that God lives within me. And that gives you confidence to keep on stepping up and keep on stepping forward. Wow. Be filled and overflowing with the Spirit. Number two. Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The Amplified says, therefore let us with privilege approach the throne of grace, that is the throne of God's gracious favor with confidence and without fear. So that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help us in time of need. Oh, wow. That's so powerful. Because when you need his grace and mercy, that's the time you feel like you failed or let him down. That's when you run and hide. You think, oh, God. You don't sort of worship that passionately that day or, I think I'll just have a day off today. We pull back from our prayers and the the passion and the confidence and the boldness. But the very time we need his confidence and boldness and strength, we often pull back. That's when the devil kicks you when you're down. And just happens to be you meet that wet blanket Christian and and the phone rings and the, the negative relative all of a sudden dumps another load on you and you think, oh God. But you face that and you say, God, I want to run away, but I'm going to run to you. Because you know that's where you're going to receive mercy and grace in your time of need. Not when you don't need it, it's when you need it. And confidence will draw you in, not push you away. Condemnation will drive you away. Confidence in God will draw you in to be filled. Ephesians 3.12 says, In whom we have boldness, And confident access through faith in him, 
That is, our faith gives us sufficient courage to freely and openly approach God through Christ. Wow, look at these amazing promises that we get drawn in through confidence. That's Ephesians 3.12, that's the amplified version. Sometimes we come with fear and trembling, sometimes with shame and hesitance, but just come anyway. Just come anyway, because that's where you're going to meet God and His grace. That's why Marilyn and I, we've just learnt to worship passionately no matter what's going on in our world, our family, in our feelings, our bodies. I learned a whole long time ago that God was still the same. The sun's still shining on the other side of the cloud. His presence is here just waiting for me to put my hand up through the cloud of doubt and connect in faith. And I thank God early in ministry that I learnt when you're in greatest need, that's when he shows up in greatest power. When you need his grace the most, that's when he'll come, but you've got to approach and not pull back. And so no matter what I'm feeling, by the second song in church, I'm there zoned in saying, God, what are you up to today? And I'm not any super saint. I've just learnt the power of this. I've just learnt that I'm a spirit man and my spirit leads me, not my emotions or mind or experiences. We walk by faith, not by sight or circumstances. And I've learnt my spirit man is bigger and stronger and that's what connects with God a long time before my mind or my emotions might get in the, involved. And the more you learn to do that in life and ministry you will be able to walk into and through anything. That's what the Apostle Paul did. Confidently coming into his presence. And God is there drawing us, just waiting to shower us with his love and mercy and just come with confidence. So your spirit just has to do the opposite of what your feelings and emotions and, and what the enemy's lying to you. And let me tell you, when you walk in there, that's often when you see the greatest demonstration of his grace and power. And we're tempted. I've got a headache, so I'm just going to sit in the back seat today or I'm just going to, I'll just get through. I'll survive today. It's hard when it's a Sunday and you survive because everyone else then misses out. There's not a lot of difference in the the letters from survive to thrive. Because God wants you to thrive. Emotionally honest. And some people say, well, I'm being a hypocrite or fake. If I get praising and thanking God and everything's gone wrong. No, you're not. It just means you're living by the spirit realm over the natural realm. That's what Abraham did. Against all hope. Knowing he was too old to have a child. He kept on hoping and believing and he walked by faith, faced his circumstances. He didn't run away from them. Didn't deny reality. And become a schizophrenic Pentecostal. I'm not sick, I'm not sick. And you just, there's stuff running out of you everywhere. And you, (laughs) you are sick. But by God's spirit, I'm going to have strength to get through. That's faith, not denial the other way. (laughs) Jesus. Oh Lord, help us. Third one, Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. 
You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. The Amplified says, Do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence, for it has a glorious and great reward. For you have need of patient endurance to bear up under difficult circumstances without compromising, so that when you have carried out the will of God, you may receive and enjoy to the full what He, what is promised. Wow, don't fling it away, don't throw it away. I haven't found many spiritual leaders throwing away their confidence. I find it gets robbed or slowly drains away. We're not, we're not silly enough to throw it away. Some newer Christians do. They sort of up and down. If you've been in leadership for a while, you realize you can't live that way. So we don't throw it away, but it gets drained or robbed or stolen from us by people that seem to just say the wrong thing at the wrong time. You're about to walk up and preach. Pastor, pastor, can I tell you what's happening? Oh, no thanks, but it's too late. (laughs) You've got to fight your way through that yuck to get flowing in the spirit. You love it. That happened to you, does it? (laughs) Happens to all of us sometimes. Oh, Jesus. Not many people throw it away, but we it's stolen. Sometimes it's stolen or drains away from disappointment, setbacks, or other people's words of negativity or judgments. Wow. That's why the power of encouragement puts courage into people. It's so powerful. The enemy will try and rob your confidence through the discouragement and fear. Joshua 1 9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Wow. Do not throw away your confidence. In my life, because I'm a reasonably confident person and a positive person, I see the best in life most times. But if I do get discouraged... I lose my joy, I start to lose my energy, I start to lose my confidence and then life gets incredibly difficult. And it's really hard for those around me because I don't live like that very often. But when I do, it's ugly. I don't stay there long but it's ugly because I don't know how to handle it because it's not me. I remember... We shared briefly this morning, we were in in ministry for 16 years full-time and then we were pastoring at Budrum. We had an amazing nine years blessing and breakthrough. Saw hundreds of people saved and power of God. Tony and Coralie were there for a time and and, uh, we saw a lot of amazing things happen. Then we had 18 months of hell. Four terrible things happened in 18 months and it was just hell on earth. And we'd have people, friends that were prophets would come and tell us, we saw them with the arrow shooting you in your church. And I'm thinking, oh God. They tried to warn us. We had another prophet came and see a shipwreck coming. And I'm thinking, oh God. But it'd be like Paul, you will survive. I mean, thank God. <laughs> All this started coming the year before we had 18 months from hell. I'm thinking, well God, thanks for the warning. But it would have helped to tell us how to handle it better. But sometimes you just got to go through seasons that, 
You just can't explain. You can't understand. But anyway, God in his grace took us through. Amazing. We went close to burnout, but God brought us through. And then the church took off again, and it was going great guns. And then God said, okay, it's time to have a rest now. And so in September 1998, within a week, God clearly told us time to rest. And so we did, gave three months notice, prepared the church to finish. And then I finished up a week before Christmas. I had no work. No jobs opened up. I'd had 16 years of full-time. I could have been a chaplain, could have done anything. Every door was closed. I ended up getting part-time casual work, having to pray and work in a, a teller in a bank, which I hadn't done for 16 years. So there I'm back in the bank, getting work some days, serving all the people who used to be in the church. And they'd look at me and say, what are you doing here? I said, oh, just what God's opened up for me. And I'd look at them and say, what are you doing? Some of them were backslidden Christians and I preached at them across the counter. Some of them weren't saved. I ended up slowing down the counting so I could talk to them longer and prophesy over them while I'm counting their money. I had lots of fun. <laughs> we had lots of but I'll tell you what, my confidence in ministry just went. Because God didn't speak to me for about 18 months about what my future was. He spoke to us personally. We had blessing come and God looked after us. But it was like there was a silence for a long time. I thought, what's going on? And God says, go back and just be itinerant. So I just, about once every three or four weeks, I'd go and preach. And I'd come and preach in some of your churches and for a it went on for two years and nine months, which didn't make any sense. But God was so gracious in many ways. He spoke to a Catholic businessman. He rang me up one day, three months after we left, and we had no money left, and the kids were in private school, Christians, and we wouldn't take them out. And he rang up and said, you need help, don't you? I didn't even know the guy. I knew of him. Mary Lynn was in a Red Cross singers group. He rang me up and says, you need help, don't you? I said, well... And I said, oh, I didn't know him well, so I said, oh, not really. He says, no, you need, you need money help, don't you? I said, well, it's a bit tight. He said, God woke me up this morning and told me to help you. I don't know if he's saved. He was a Catholic businessman for two years. He would pay some of our kids' school fees. He put tires on our car. He would give us a Christmas bonus for two years. Off and on, whenever we needed, he'd ring us up and say, you need some more help, don't you? God would wake him up and he'd ring us up and it was just amazing it was like it was just amazing but Marilyn do you want to come and share something God did the first week we finished up in that ministry and tell us what happened during this time um, watching Ross was really difficult we've been you know together you know been in love with him since I was 18 <laughs> and we've been married for years and and um, and it was really difficult to watch. We were like the golden girl and boy of Nambour Church, you know, like big fish in a little pond, and, you know, and we're expecting to keep growing and, you know, the earth, everything was just opening and opening and opening up to us. And then all of a sudden it closed and the phone stopped ringing and people didn't know what to say. You'd see them in the supermarket and they'd be down the next aisle. They didn't know what to say to us. What on earth has happened to Ross and Mary? What's happened? And, and you know, in Pentecost, we don't have a very good theology on difficult times and suffering. 
it's like, you, you know, good, you're doing good. Well, you must be good, you know. And, you know, you, something's going wrong. Something hasn't worked out for you. Then, well, I don't know. What's, you know, Job's friends come out. So what have you done? <laughs> and um, just confess, you know, or just, you know. And so it was, it was a difficult time. And then they all had their theories. And, of course, you know, they would pull their ignorance. And you just happen to walk in and the... We still, we still went to conferences, we'd still show up and we'd just walk in on the tail end of something that stunk, like a conversation that somebody was having and you would hear your name being bantered about and, and pooling their ignorance, we just thought, don't, and God said, don't defend yourself, don't just trust your reputation to me, you just be obedient, you be faithful and I will make you fruitful. I learnt those things the hard way. <laughs> you get them for free. But I, during that time, it was hard to watch the man you love lose his confidence. And, but God was faithful that um, he just kept the gift flowing. And we would get invitations to go and preach and we would say, yep. Sometimes we'd drive seven hours just to go and preach and turn around and come back and use the bit of money they'd given us in petrol to get home. we get back and we were like, where we started zero but God knew God knew and he was faithful like we were saying you know with um with uh Trevor and uh anyway these folks that supplied uh God used this wonderful Catholic couple and during that time or well, actually two years before this just prior to this time of of hell that we went through and um that I call it that because it just felt like everything we touched just fell to pieces for a while and it was it was just so foreign and and God seemed silent which was even more strange which I think it we could have handled it if we just had zero direction we just had nothing we'd pray and just nothing just get up iron a shirt in faith that the phone would ring and he would get work as a part-time teller in the bank and so that's what I do we'd we'd I'd iron a shirt in faith. He'd get dressed with a tie and he'd wait for the phone to ring. You know, it was that. If we literally walked by faith. And, and, um, and this, in this, this time, before that happened, we did a wedding and at Noosa and it was beautiful. And the, the mother was an artist and uh, June Gronowick, a lovely godly woman. And she, we were leaving in the car and she's like, Ross, Mary, I'll do you a painting. Thank you for marrying our son and... You know, it was beautiful. She said, what are your favorite colors? And I said, oh, blue and yellow. And what theme? Oh, anything with the beach, anything. But really, you don't have to. She goes, no, God's told me to do your painting and I'll do your painting. So she did. And then two years later, we had resigned the Budrum Church. And, you know, I'd ironed his shirt and we're waiting for work. And there's a knock on the door and Rachel and I answered. And she showed up. And because um, she and her and her daughter were there, and she said, "I finished," and I said, "Finished what?" <laughs> you know, like two years I'd forgotten. And she said, "The painting." I said, "I'd do you a painting," but she said, um, "You know, you know how you said you wanted a beach scene and you love blue and yellow, so I painted you this. It's a great beach scene, isn't it?" <laughs> She said, every time I went to paint the beach, I'd end up painting sunflowers. 
And she said, I even fought it and I painted a whole scene. It went this way and I, and I had to turn it around. I had to start again. That's why it's taken so long. It's a prophetic painting. I don't know if you've ever seen a prophetic painting. You're looking at one. And anyway, she, she said, the story goes, the two dead ones in the middle, that's you and Ross. And I thought, gee, thanks. If I wasn't a bit, bit discouraged before you came, it was, uh, you know. And she said, oh, no, it gets better. And, and I said, oh, great. And, and she proceeded with this, this prophetic word that, um, this, that her, her, I'll tell you the story. Her father grew sunflowers for 40 years. She was raised on a sunflower farm. And she said that in the season when the, when the sunflowers would come out in full bloom, that the cars would be lined up along the fences and everybody taking photos and these beautiful sunflowers would follow the sun. And then there would come a time when they would, close to the harvest time and that sunflowers would die and they would shrivel and they'd all curl over like this and they looked ugly. And the cars would just go, yow, 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 yow. Nobody stopped and took photos. Nobody called in at the farm. And, and she said, that's you and Ross in the middle. And, and she said that God showed her that not, don't be discouraged when all your peers around you are in full bloom. Because they're in a different season to you. The season you are in right now is this season. And it's ugly. And she didn't know. Mind you, she went to the Uniting Church. Hello. She wasn't even in our church. She, and she, oh, she didn't even know that we'd resigned the church. She didn't know. So that was, gives it even more credibility. She said that these, these peers all around you, when everybody around you seems to be getting their dreams fulfilled and you're like this, when everybody else seems to be happy and enjoying abundance and supply and you feel like that, you feel dead, you feel there's nothing there and there's lack and nobody's looking anyway. Because she said the seeds in the father's eyes, that people loved it when the sunflowers were like this, but when her father saw the flowers turn and shrivel, he got excited because it was harvest time. And the seeds for the harvest, she said, are sown within you. And you are more valuable. You are right where your heavenly father wants you. You are more valuable to him in this stage than you are in full bloom. And I really felt to share this tonight, this morning. I, um, I've used this a couple of times. I've only spoken of this twice in 15 years. And I, I have told others if they come to the house because they say, what is that painting? And I, I've told people that way. But I was, I was just in the worship this morning and I just really felt to encourage you tonight. If you are going through one of these seasons and it's a trial, 
It's hard to consider it pure joy, brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Because, But do you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance? Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. That's what God's doing in you. There are seasons in this life when none of us are exempt from them. I wish, you know, like someone said this morning, so many have spoken, I've forgotten who, but pastors want to comfort. You said it. We want to shepherd, we want to protect, we want to make it comfortable for the sheep. But we can't do that. We can't rescue people from these seasons in God because they produce a harvest. Blessed is the man or woman who perseveres under trial because when they have stood the test, they will receive a crown of life that God has promised for them for those whom he loves. And I, I, this time, right, she showed up with this the week that the we resigned. This is Sunday, we resigned. She shows up, what was it, Monday, Tuesday? I'm finished. And, and here, put this up in our house. And it's had pride of place in our house for 18 or more years. And that painting meant more and more to me as the, ro- the months rolled on the months rolled on to years and nothing was opening up to us apart from this region and you pastors, a lot of you opened up the, the doors and we ministered in this region. And But there was no, we were not pastors of a church and we were kind of in no man's land, you know, and it was all, you know, speculation and stories. We never tried to defend ourselves, but God he had us in the palm of his hand. And I know that's what's happening to us now is some of the maturing of that time as it went on, like Ross said. And all we, we learned to do was be obedient, stay faithful and trust him to make us fruitful. And I just encourage you, you know who you are. And I, I can't even pick you out because I felt it was for a lot of people. I remember my stepfather, he used to stand on the veranda and wait for the rain. And Gladstone, he was at Yarwin. He was a pawpaw plantation outside of Yarwin. This is a lot of years ago <laughs> when I was young. And, and we'd see the clouds roll over. And he'd be like, oh, here it comes. We're going to get some rain. And, uh, and we'd stand on the veranda. We'd watch this rain. And the hills were around, would catch it and it would rain out. And then it was like... What about us? And I just saw that picture. What about us? When's it going to be our turn? Don't lose your confidence. Hold on to the promises of God. Sometimes God knew I needed something very visual to remind me of the promises of God. He is faithful and he has you in the palm of his hand. And there your season will change and your turn will come and there will be fruit from your life, there'll come a time when you'll be look, looking back on this season. And while you're in it, know that God loves you. You're, you're right in the palm of his hands and he sees you and he looks with love and he says, ah, oh, there they are. The seeds that I have sown in them are going to produce gold. 
They're going to produce a harvest. So God bless you. Hold on to that confidence. Amen. Wow. God has his ways to reach all of us to keep our confidence on him. Let's finish the Romans road. That's powerful. Number four, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, f- the Hebrews road, sorry. Now, faith is confidence. Wow. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Wow. Faith is confidence. Some say full assurance or conviction. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see or do not yet see. Wow, faith. Faith and confidence are so linked together. That's why the devil will try and rob your confidence because in your faith loses its power. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. That's why he tries to rob your hope. The enemy will not fight your faith. He'll, write, he'll fight your hope and confidence because in your faith has got nothing to stand on. That's why God works on our hearts. I love this. That he, 1 John 5, 14, 15. This is the remarkable degree of confidence which we as believers are entitled to have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, that is consistent with his plan and purpose, he hears us. And if we know for a fact, as indeed we do, that he hears us and listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted to us the requests which we have asked from him. Wow, that is a powerful, powerful verse. That's in the Amplified. Some of you need to get that in your spirit, on your screensaver. Do whatever so you see it often. Faith's like a muscle. We all know that, and you've got to use it. I live on a hectare of land, and sometimes I get busy, and then I've got a day off, so I get out and do some fencing or chainsawing some wood for the fireplace. Then I can hardly move for three days because I haven't used some of those muscles for a while. We bought push bikes in January to start riding. We hadn't ridden for 30 or 40 years or something. But I did my Achilles tendon last year and Marilyn had a knee operation. So the physio said the best thing is to buy push bikes. That's a great idea. We bought them. Then we think, well, can we still ride? <laughs> so we've, we wobbled around for a couple of days around the back streets <laughs> before we got out in the road. And, uh, but now we're doing 20 Ks at a time. And feel it's just helped us in so many ways. But it only took us a few days to get our confidence back because you learnt the skill. Faith's a bit like that. You can have some wobbly times, but if you've learnt the skill of trusting God, it can come back real fast. Holy Spirit can just spark it, and all of a sudden you're back praying for the sick and the gifts of the Spirit are flowing and the life's flowing and the confidence is there. But you've got to choose to exercise it. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and through you in fresh and powerful ways. A couple of years ago, the Holy Spirit spoke this very powerful word to me. He says, you can have what you see in the Spirit. What you see by revelation, you can have by faith and it will become reality. And I've, I'm learning still to walk by faith. 
and about seven months ago, I preached a message on the five senses, you know, taste, touch, hearing, sight, about how that those five senses are exercised in the spirit realm as well as the natural. So I come ready to preach on seeing with the eye of the spirit and hearing with the ear of the spirit. And I was about one minute late to church that night. I was thinking I was busy photocopying or running off my sermon. My printer was playing up, so I was a bit late getting... I walk in and they're singing the first song. I can't remember what it was now. I walk through the door and think, oh, it's a great song to start the service with. I glance, as I'm walking through the door, I glance up to the screen. And to my absolute surprise, the words of the song weren't on the screen for me. There was about seven or eight words of knowledge and prophecies for me to give that night on the screen as I walked into church. I looked. And I realized everyone else was still seeing the words to the screen, but the Holy Spirit opened my eyes for a moment in the Spirit. So I sat down and wrote them all out before I forgot them. And the next minute I looked up, the words back were back for the song for me. It's like the Holy Spirit said, I can show you anything, you know. There's a spirit realm there that you hardly ever touch. It was like I was preaching on it, so the Lord said, I'll just show you a glimpse of what can happen. That just blew me away. I think, wow, Holy Spirit. You can do anything. I thought, wow, we settled for so much less. It hasn't happened since. It only happened once. But it was like a sign to me. God says, what you see in the spirit, you can have. That's a word for some people here because you need to, you've seen stuff, but it hasn't been manifest yet. But don't give up. Have confidence, it will come. Last two, Hebrews 13, 6. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Wow, the fear of man holds most of us back from doing stuff God's told us to. Oh God, how many times has he spoken to us to do something? Oh, what do they say? I remember I was walking through the hospital one day. I I went up to visit someone. I got this message to go and visit someone because their elderly dad was in hospital. I went up to visit him. He wasn't there. So I left my card and I'm walking down the hallway, disappointed that he wasn't there. I didn't know him. The lady rang me from out of town, got a message. So I'm walking. I see this guy in a wheelchair coming past and I felt the Holy Spirit tell me as clear as a bell, stop and pray for him. There's nurses and doctors running out. I thought, we're in the middle of a corridor. I didn't know who he was. Didn't he say... But I felt the nudge fairly strong, so I stopped and said, excuse me, sir, could I pray for you? You're obviously not well. He looked at me with big eyes and said, okay. So I just knelt beside his wheelchair and prayed for God to touch him and minister to his life. I said, amen. I got up and walked off. He started wheeling up the other way. I get about 10 paces, and as almost an audible voice, the Holy Spirit stopped me. And said, go back and lead him to me now. I thought I'd been courageous in stopping in the middle of the island praying for him. Now he says, go back and lead him to me now. And was so insistent. I just walked around, went back. He'd wandered a bit further up the hallway. I said, excuse me, sir. I know I prayed for you for a moment. But I really need to ask you a question. I said, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? He looked at me and he says, no. 
I said, would you like to receive him now? And he looked at me with big wide eyes. He was in a wheelchair, obviously not well. He said, yes, I would. So I led him to Jesus, prayed the prayer. Then I went off. He said, I'm going home tonight. So I thought, wow, I must have got him before I left the hospital. That's great. Tuesday morning, I get a phone call from this guy's daughter. Because I left my card beside his bed. And somehow the relatives come. So I get this phone call and she said, did you leave your card beside my dad's bed? And I said, yeah. I said, he wasn't there, so I missed him. And then the story unfolded. He was going home that night to die because he was riddled with cancer and they were releasing him to go home and die. That He died at 11 o'clock that night. This was 5 o'clock in the afternoon, six hours before he died. And we put two and two together and I said, I led him to Jesus and she starts crying and howling on the end of the phone. She said, I've been a Christian for 21 years. I have prayed for him and tried everything I can, but he wouldn't even let me talk about God to him. Wasn't interested, didn't want to know anything about it. He was dying of cancer. I thought, Holy Spirit, you are amazing. I nearly missed it. I nearly missed it because I didn't listen clear enough. But God in his grace gave me a second chance. I thought, oh God, so thankful I didn't miss that one. God will give you courage and confidence to listen and obey. You've got plenty of stories like that too. Oh God. My confidence comes from the Lord. In leadership, we're often facing our weaknesses and inadequacies, but have confidence in God flowing through you. John fifteen sixteen says, You did not chose, choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. My confidence is not in my ability, but in his choosing of me. I don't have to prove myself because God chose me and he doesn't make mistakes. My ministry doesn't define who I am, but he's called you and I. Wow. Last one on the Hebrews road of confidence is Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. We need to grow in confidence by following good leaders. If you're a leader... Be integrous so that people can grow in confidence in God through you. No money can buy that. You can lose it in a moment. You can get angry from the pulpit and preach and say dumb stuff and you've lost your credibility sometimes irreversibly. Lord, help us to be people of confidence Hang around and learn from larger leaders, but be yourself. You're a son of God, not just a leader or the preacher. And I believe God wants us to be yourself. No one else is qualified. David saw Goliath says, we're going to take him out. All the brothers are jealous. Saul finally says, who are you? I've killed the lion and the bear. So Saul says, relax, says, okay. So he puts Saul's armor on him. Poor guy, David's only small, he can't see, he's tripping over the armor, he can't see out of the helmet, 
He says, this is useless. There's a whole lot of people will try and put their gifts and expectations on you, but you've got to have confidence and find out who you are and run with them. Because then you'll be fruitful. And I had to learn this. 1 John 3.19 says, This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. This is why the devil brings condemnation, accusation all the time because it will rob your confidence before God. Let's get rid of that sucker's lies. And let's make sure our spirit is trusting God and resting in Him. God, keep healing, restoring, strengthening our hearts and our lives. Philippians 1.6. I love this scripture. I am convinced and confident of this very thing. That He who has begun a good work in you will continue to perfect it and complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, the time of his return. Just leave that one up there for a minute because that is so powerful. Some of you need to just look at that for a moment and say, Lord, am, am I as confident about your work in me as Paul was? I am convinced and confident and sure that he is going to do what he has started in my life. He's begun a good work in our life. God has called us as churches and leaders and pastors to do amazing things. We're entering into a season where things are going to accelerate. Some of you have been around long enough to be a part of moves of God in the past. Maybe the charismatic move or the things that happened in the 90s and other stuff. Life gets so fast and so easy when the anointing flows. And we're going to enter in it, but you've got to be ready and we've got to be ready to carry what God's going to do. Worship team, come on up. As they're coming, I just want to share one more story to remind you that you carry God's presence. I want you to be confident that God lives within you. I used to hear these stories. You know the evangelists travel and they say every time they sit beside someone they're playing, they lead them to Jesus before they get to the next town. I used to think, God, what's going on here? That's, that's not fair. Um, a bit over a year ago, we were flying back from Planet Shakers, from Melbourne to Brisbane. Then we swapped planes to Brisbane to Harvey Bay. And for whatever reason, we couldn't get our seats together. So Marilyn's down the back seat next to the toilet, having a nice trip back and getting bumped by everyone going out. I'm about five seats up and I end up sitting and this lady comes and sits beside me. And we did the polite thing. Hi, how you going? Where do you live? You're going to Harvey Bay for holidays. She says, I'm actually flying from Sydney up and my mum's got a holiday house, so I've got to do a bit of business. And no, no, no. She said, where are you from? I said, well, I'm actually going home to Harvey Bay and I've come from a conference. She said, what sort of conference? I said, a Christian conference where we had thousands of people there. She said, oh, really? And then we sort of buckled in and she kept coming back in the conversation. She said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor of a church. I don't always say that up front, but I felt to. She said, what sort of a church? So I told her. She's from Sydney. I'm thinking, how do I? I said, have you ever heard of Hillsong Church? It's a bit like that. She looked, her eyes got big. She said, I live around the corner from Hillsong. For years, I've watched thousands of people come and go and wondered what on earth goes on in that place. 
said, what do they do there? So I told her. And then the conversation stopped. Then she came back in again. She kept asking questions all and on, off and on for the 45 minutes back. I didn't lead her to Jesus, but I could tell something was going on. So I give her my card and say, look, you're welcome to come to our church if you're in Harvey Bay for a time. Six days later, on the Friday following, I get a phone call from her. She said, can I come and see you? I said, sure. I had about half an hour spare in my diary. She rode a bike, came in the office, walked in, just burst out crying. I said, are you okay? She said, no, I'm not. I said, what's happening? She said, when I met you on the plane the other day, just before I left home, the husband took the wedding ring off and threw it on the table and said, it's over, 27 years of marriage. She said, I've been depressed for a year. Everything's going wrong. We've got a successful business, huge home, lots of money, working in an international business, but it's all falling apart. Then she said, I actually came to your service on Sunday and then I was surprised because I didn't see her come in or out. And she said, I actually came on Tuesday night when that guy from India was speaking. We had Pastor Abram here from India. I didn't even see her at that meeting. I don't know how she snuck in and out and I missed her both times. And then she started to tell me a story. She said, I was brought up. I said, have you got any Christian background? She said, I went to a church school. I think it was Uniting Church School in Sydney. But it was religious and I wasn't into it. But she said, one night when I was 16, I went outside I looked up the stars and said, there's anyone up there, please show yourself to me. She said, all of, my, all of a sudden, this amazing warm feeling of light and love came all over me. But she said, I was too scared to tell anyone about it because my friends weren't Christians and I was just too scared to tell anyone. So I never told anyone about, you're the first person I've told right now about that experience. That's when she was 16 and this lady was probably about 50, early 50s. And then she said, when you sat on the plane on Saturday beside me, before you said a word, the same feeling came all over me again. Then I knew why she kept coming into the conversation. Then she said, when I walked into your church on Sunday morning, the same thing happened all over me again. When I came on Tuesday night and heard they passed me into the same thing happened again. I said, that's why you're here right now, aren't you? She said, yeah, I don't understand what's going on. I said, there's a God who loves you. And he wants to help you rescue your life when everything's falling apart. His presence has come to save your life. So I led her to Jesus. Gave her a Bible. Gave her a 40 days of purpose book because she was an intelligent reader, wanted to know some steps. Came to church for a couple of weeks and then she moved back to Sydney. And we rang her a few times. We lost track, but I'm sure she's in Hillsong Church now. And I thought, Lord thank you for that it just blessed me I thought we are carriers of your presence everywhere we go and just sometimes God will show us in dramatic ways like that but have confidence that God's within you and flowing through you and we're going to see many more stories like that we're going to see many more signs and wonders we're going to see the ones that you love and build bridges of trust with. Other times he will just do it supernaturally. Let's stand in his presence. We're going to sing this song for a moment. And as we do, this picture 
as Mary Lynn shared, really touched some people's hearts here tonight. The whole journey of confidence we've been talking about, you've either been wrestling through that or there's been a real attack on your confidence or you've just been saying, where does this all fit? I just feel the Holy Spirit right now just reaching out with his arms of love and just wants to fill and touch and restore some people with confidence. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.